Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Podcast IRL will be live in Miami with Patrick Bet David, Donald Trump Jr., Matt Gates, and Luke Rudkowski. Join us there. Get your tickets by clicking the link in the description below or by going to TimCast.com. As of this moment, I am of the opinion that Joe Biden will drop out of the 2024 race. You've got a combination of the impeachment scandals, the inquiry is being launched, and it is bad for Joe Biden. But on top of this, you not only have Nancy Pelosi outright saying Biden may drop out of the race, laughs and refuses to say if Kamala Harris is the best running mate, you have a spattering of news articles, commentary coming out all right now about how Joe Biden is too old. You have commentary. You have general news reporting about Biden's age. You have polls coming out saying Democrats think he's too old to be president. All of these signs indicate Joe Biden will drop out. We've talked about this, the likelihood that he is the candidate moving in 2024. And look, you know, I, my, I, I don't know, right? I feel like looking at all of this today, which the context may change, the variables may change. And for all we know, Joe Biden comes out with some kind of, he gets some gene therapy and then he's super ripped. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. I just think there is a greater than probability chance Joe Biden drops out of the race for one reason or another. Now, we've talked about how, you know, Gavin Newsom maybe rush, runs out to save the day or something like that. But I don't see how Democrats legitimately try to run this man when the New York Times, the Washington Post, when pundits across the board are all saying he cannot do it. There's no enthusiasm for this man and there's no enthusiasm against Trump like in 2020. And then the news headline right now that I think matters is Nancy Pelosi saying Biden actually might do it. The reason why I think it is likely to happen that Joe Biden will drop out is because this looks like we are being primed for something. They know Biden can't get the support because people don't think he's 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 they, th they think he's too old. It's incapable. We've seen a lot of stuttering, a lot of accents. They've tried to cover it all up. But this the reason why I think now more than ever that he may that he may actually drop out of the race. I'm, I'm going to say it again. I want to be a little bit more definitive than this. I do fear being wrong. Don't, don't don't get me wrong. I just I'm looking at this and I'm like, I don't see how he does anything else. The impeachment inquiry is going to be bad. They are going to start pulling up a lot of crazy stuff. If Joe Biden drops out sooner rather than later, the Democrats can avoid the negative press surrounding their presidential candidate. So when you add these factors together, the most logical thing is for them to get Joe and Kamala out of the race, bring in Gavin Newsom. And we all know it. We all know that Gavin Newsom was the path for them for, uh, for a while now. But look, the impeachment is going to be a stain on the entire Democratic race. Maybe, to be fair, there's a, there's a chance that Joe Biden loses a primary. Not that I think there should be one, but Biden would have to come out and be like, there should be a primary and let the people decide, which would be weird. 
and would effectively be him dropping out. But all of these articles saying Joe Biden's too old, a convenient move now for the media establishment to provide cover as to why Joe Biden is going to disappear. If he stays in the race, they're going to prop up everything Joe Biden did. And it's a lot. I love how they keep saying in the media, no evidence, despite there being no evidence of wrongdoing. And it's just like, wow, you'd think leaked emails, leaked text messages two eyewitnesses who worked with the Biden family confirming it, sworn testimony under oath from a victim of influence peddling and a 2019 article from Politico titled Biden Inc. How middle class Joe's family fortunes tracked alongside his political career. There's a plethora of evidence that I think is enough to actually present to a jury and get a criminal conviction let alone an impeachment. But the impeachment inquiry will now line up all of this evidence and basically then present it towards a grand jury. So, so let's, 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 let's uh, shift the political to the uh, uh, criminal. In a criminal proceeding, the, uh, there's an investigation. They find evidence. They then bring it before a grand jury. You are not in trouble yet. The grand jury looks at the evidence, determining if there is a preponderance of evidence to suggest the crime may have been committed. They will vote to indict. The indictment is then levied against the individual who then gets to go to trial to, deter- to determine, to, to uh, sort out whether or not, beyond a reasonable doubt, this person is guilty of that crime, where we are right now. The Republicans, effectively acting like prosecutors, have compiled a preponderance of evidence. The impeachment inquiry is them effectively presenting it to the grand jury, and then the, the, the Congress will have a vote much akin to a vote to indict. This is an impeachment vote. Impeachment is not removal from office. This is them saying there is a preponderance of evidence that Joe Biden has committed a crime. We will now have a trial to determine whether or not he should be convicted of this. How do you get away from that? It is going to be massively damaging to the Democrats in 2024. They're going to be trying to run on whatever they can, but you got a faltering economy. You got war in Eastern Europe. You've got an aging, ailing man who who no one thinks can do this. And now on top of it, massive political scandals bordering on the criminal. Simple. Joe Biden says, I am not going to be seeking reelection. Something happens where he drops out. That is the logical conclusion. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear what Nancy Pelosi had to say when she actually entertained the idea first. And I will stress, when you get former Speaker of the House Pelosi, one of the top Democrats being like, he might actually do it. Come on. What logical path do they have? Everyone, I, I feel like everybody feels this way, that Biden's going to have to drop out. So I'm like, at what point do we just call it and say, you know what? I'm not saying it's it's. I could be wrong. I'll put it that way. But I feel like if I went to a casino and they had two, they had a roulette wheel, Biden runs, Biden drops out. I'm putting my money on Biden drops out because I think it's like a two to, it's, it's, it's like a two to one coin flip. It's, it's like 70, 80% likely that he does. He, it, I don't know. That's all I can say, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I can't see the future. The Daily Mail reports former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi conceded Joe Biden may drop out of the 2024 race, then smirked, laughed and dodged the question when asked if she thinks Kamala Harris should run to be reelected as vice president. (laughs) Worryingly for the president, Pelosi also gave an evasive answer when pressed about whether his career will continue 2024 and beyond. Asked if she thought there's any chance 
Biden does not continue running. She gave a less than definitive. I hope not. I hope not. The 80 year old president, who is the oldest ever elected, has faced growing questions over his cognitive abilities, with more of the criticism coming from his own party. Pelosi, 83, also gave a classic non-answer to Anderson Cooper about Kamala Harris. Oh, it's, it's really funny. She answered, he thinks so. And that's what matters. She's very politically astute. I don't think people give her enough credit. Her values are consistent with the president's values. Why would she be vice president if she were not? Pushed again by Cooper, Pelosi still dodged the question, but began to smile, giggle, and even raise her eyes conspiratorially as she spoke. The CNN star was off camera at the time, and it's unclear if he did something to amuse her. Speaking through a smile, Pelosi said, she's the vice president of the U.S., people say to me. Well, why isn't she doing this or that? I say, because the vice president, that's the job description, you don't do that much. Oof. Yikes. There's the interview. Ultimately, Pelosi did have some praise for Harris. Yeah, I really don't care about that. Pelosi also laughed off a David Ignatius column in the Washington Post that challenged both Harris and her boss, writing, President Biden should not run again in 2024. Oh, man. Woo. However, he says not just Biden, but Vice President Kamala Harris should avoid running in 2024. It's painful to say that given my admiration for much of what they've accomplished. But if he and Harris campaign together in 2024, I think Biden risks undoing his greatest achievement, which was stopping Trump. Let's roll, baby. We have this from the Daily Mail as well. New York Times and the Washington Post both run op-eds branding Biden too old for office, with the New York Times raising the specter of him dying before retiring like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I do not see logically how Joe Biden actually finishes a run. Okay. All right. New York Times. Let's go there. Maybe Joe Biden doesn't drop out. He just. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. At some point, becomes incapable of running. So by default, he's out of the race. I mean, I'm not saying he dies or anything. I'm like a guy who's 80. The average life expectancy in this country is 79. Trump is near that. Biden's past that. Okay. Trump does seem rather spry, though, despite being overweight. You watch him play golf and there's like a video where he like knocks the ball in the air and catches it. And people are like, Trump's spry. You know, he needs to lose some weight. And he apparently he's lost a good amount of weight. But Joe Biden, he's not. Joe Biden is struggling. Now, I don't think Trump has had any kind of like brain surgeries like Biden has, but there's some real risk here, especially when you see these videos. There's one where, you know, uh, Biden is, is crafty 
And he was probably told to do this. They said, if you ever start having an episode, just keep rambling, no matter what you say. That's why we get the true and of pressure, bad calf care, next norescent. You get this gibberish garbled nonsense from Joe Biden because look at the video. When Joe Biden says next norescent, I'm not I, I, I have no idea what he was trying to say. You know, pressure. Huh? But when Mitch McConnell freezes, grips the podium, major national headlines. I think Biden knows if he's got tunnel vision, if he's becoming lightheaded, if his if he can't think straight, just mutter something because the media will transcribe it into English for you. That's what I love the most about Biden quotes. He'll be like, you know, we got to it's, it's, it's the economy, man. You got to get a good economy, economics, you know, and then the media will write. Joe Biden gave a strong speech where he said it's the economy and then they'll cut out everything else or like they 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 just trend. They translate it for him. They do these really crafty things where like Joe Biden will say something nonsensical and he'll make in a powerful speech. Joe Biden expressed concern over the economy and a desire to strengthen it when he really just muttered the garbled nonsense I just did. I love that. And then what they'll do is you will be asked to give a quote on like January 6th and you'll say something like. They'll, they'll send you an email. Uh, Mr. Poole, do you think what, what, what are your thoughts on January 6th? And I'll respond. January 6th was a horrifying day. And the people who committed violence at the Capitol should be criminally charged and appropriate, appropriate, uh, pro- appropriately sentenced. However, it is fair to say we see, we've seen some acquittals as police had opened the doors and allowed people in. I think we have to take a measured approach and make sure that we're treating those who are violent as seriously as we can. That'll be my quote. What will they write? Oh, we can't write that. That's a nuanced and well thought out statement. They'll write when asked about January, they'll, they'll, they'll cut the quote out entirely and write when asked about January 6th, Tim Poole downplayed the seriousness of the violent insurrection and actually defended the J6ers. And then I'll be like, why don't you just post what I what I said? Because I was critical of the violence. They can just write their us their summary of it. That's what they do for Joe Biden. He'll go, blah, 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 and they'll be like, wow, what a powerful statement from the president. I don't see how a man in this, in this mental state can carry on. And even the New York Times is basically saying he might die. Look, man, I don't want to think about it, but I'm not here to be mean or disrespectful in this statement. But Joe Biden is past the average life expectancy for a U.S. male. He's probably got the best medical treatment in the world. He's the president. We've seen pictures of his hand with like IV marks on it. So he's probably, I I bet he's getting IV therapy. I bet he's getting nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide uh, and vitamin IV therapy, as well as some stuff. I bet he gets stem cells. I bet they are pumping this dude full of stem cells. There are these, uh, uh, this stuff already exists. For those that listen to Joe Rogan, you know all about it because Joe's talked about it, but NAD plus nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. I get that as well. Periodically, it's uh, it's all the rage. It's like um, it's it's a vitamin IV drip essentially. It's a, a B vitamin derivative, and my general understanding is that it provides mitochondrial energy for proper cellular division. And uh, I got to be completely honest. Uh, we I, we started getting it uh, uh, after getting COVID. Uh, you know whatever Doctor Joe says, right? No, talk to your doctor, okay? But uh, uh, I, 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 me personally, my vision, impro- it's crazy. It's crazy. So a lot of people swear by this stuff. Um, but it could just be hydration and vitamins, but that really does help. But I think 
Joe Biden's probably getting stem cells because they do these things where they'll send a doctor out to your house. They deliver stem cells to your house, frozen. The doctor will then come or the, or the nurse or whoever, the medical practitioner. The stem cells thaw and then they run, put them in an IV, mix the bag up and then inject them into your body. The stem cells target areas of inflammation and begin bonding with your organs to repair that damage. Now, I've talked to some of these scientists and uh, business owners and medical practitioners about stem cells. There's a lot of uh, MMA fighters. You'll see this because, again, like Joe Rogan had um, Joey, uh, was it uh, Joey Bravo? Am I getting his name right? Talk about it in his shoulder. I went down to the Cellular Performance Institute in Mexico because of a hip problem. And uh, this cleared up a lot of my issues. It was, it's, it's crazy how quickly. And uh, they talk about how this stuff cures you, right? So my question was like, what if you're getting blasted with stem cells, just blasted over and over again, and it just like starts repairing all your organs? Like, would you live forever? I don't know. But I'm willing to bet when we see those IV marks on Joe Biden's hands, they are giving him stuff you've never even heard of. I mean, he's a president. Come on. They need his corporeal form. The fact that they're arguing he might die, though, I'm like, it says it all right there. I got a handful of articles. The AP says Biden is widely seen as too old for office and AP North Pole finds Trump has problems of his own. Yeah, fair point. Uh, You got this from The New York Times. Trump is really old, too. Yes. But the issue is, one, you know, I'm not, for the most part, voting for Donald Trump because I think he's going to do a back handspring or a round off back layout or actually backflip off of the the back porch of the White House into a superhero pose. It's because uh, he wants to gut the bureaucratic state. And that's you don't need to be all that with it. You just need to be alive. And I hope he pulls it off. But I think it's fair to say when you look at Donald Trump speak in his videos, you can certainly criticize him for being, you know, gross and a lot of things he says. But he's there. It's all that matters to me. I'm not so concerned with age. I know we often use age as the limit, but uh, uh, when it comes to old age, uh, it's really about cognitive abilities and performance. For young people, uh, it's the same thing when it comes to voting. I do believe, however, there are reasonable boundaries to be set, like 18 to 70, when we're talking about age restrictions on holding office. Uh, And that's because as much as you may want to say, perhaps it's a, a performance test to determine cognitive abilities and uh, wisdom, that's just too complicated. I think it has to be just simplified. And when it comes to running for office, I'm not so convinced 35 is appropriate. And it's interesting when you consider that uh, back in the day, if you were 16, you were like an adult for the most part. That's crazy, right? And we've, we've eventually come to be like, nah, you know, nah. It's, it is, in my opinion, kind of weird that we were like, if you're 14, you're a man. Like, no, you're not. You know, 18, 21, these are, these are generally good ages, but the body doesn't start, stop growing until you're like, what, 24? 24 to 28, I think, is like, between that age, is when you finally just become who you are going to be, and then you start to age. So there's got to be age limits. I do, I do think so. And there is an issue there in that there are a lot of people we really like who are older, but let's be real, man. Ron Paul, the legend. Yeah, I, I think retirement is good, right? He's, he's a very old man. It's hard for him to hear. And as much as he's a legend that we love and respect, who just did what a good citizen would do in speaking about war and the Federal Reserve and inflation and all that stuff. Yeah, you get too old at a certain point. You know, uh, I'm 37. I still skateboard. I'm not about to go enter the X Games and try and compete with a 19-year-old. That's ridiculous. 
you, you, you adapt and you do what you can. And that's the reality. So, you know, age limits are not absolute. And they're not perfect, right? You might be like, look, man, D- Donald Trump is 77. Was he 77? But he's still capable of doing the job. And I'm like, that's true. Yeah. So maybe 80 is the cutoff. I don't know. I, I don't know because Joe Biden is much worse off and he, and, and he ran for office before he was 80. Maybe we just say, we recognize that there will be people who probably could do the job who are going to be in their 70s, but maybe 70 is the cutoff. Ideally, we want someone who's 45. You know, I do think there are people who could be in their 30s who could do really, really well. The challenge, I suppose, is every generation has their market, their uh, their base. It's fascinating when, um, you know, I get I'll, I'll put it this way. When I worked for when I worked for Vice, I remember watching them do certain things. Uh, methodologically, the way they would post or produce videos. And I said, this is silly. The new world of media online says we should do X. And they were like, no, well, why? It's obvious. Uh, uh, Shane uh, Smith, Gen Xer, his base and his audience, the people he was targeting were his peers. He was selling a product to people his own age. That was the base he knew. I'm the younger guy coming in being like, why aren't you selling products to my generation? And it's like, it kind of was, but for the most part, it's not the world he lives in. So you have like, you know, uh, Gen Zers being like, oh, Tim Pool's music or skateboarding. I'm like, look, man, I am not I don't I don't exist to constantly try and figure out what young people are doing and then try and cater to them. I just do the things that I am, which caters to people my age. That's why the people who watch Fox News tend to be in their 60s, because it is a network that catered to them when they were in their 30s, 40s, 50s and now 60s. Tucker Carlson was doing a really good job of getting young people, but this is how it works. I fully imagine, and we're watching it right now. I can look at the demographics. When I started uh, working in digital media, the average age of my uh, audience was like 25. Why? I was 25. I was producing things in a way that people my age had been experiencing, and we lived in this digital world. Now I'm 37, and actually, to be fair, the I think the average age of our audience is like 32. So it is still a bit younger. Awesome. And I imagine there will be that that wave where older people die off, but will it I age faster than the audience advances. So when I'm 50, the audience will probably be 40 or 38 or something. And it's because there's going to be a large group of people who are watching. But we don't we don't do TikTok. And a lot of younger people are on TikTok. This is just the way things go. There will come a point where Timcast IRL will be a big show and it's going to be watched primarily by people in their 60s. And it's going to be you, you and me. We're going to be in our 60s and we're going to be doing this show. And there's going to be a decent amount of young people who pick the show up, but it probably won't be where young people are. That being said, there comes a point when you are too old to be that voice. Joe Biden's there. There's a, po- there's a certain age where you are old enough to command respect from the younger generation. We do have a lot of uh, a, a, a huge amount of viewers who are, you know, 18 to 25. Don't get me wrong. They, they called the, we, had a, we had a couple of young people calling last night and there's a lot of people who write in. So we, we know y'all exist. I'm not saying you don't. But getting younger viewers to pay attention to this world requires them to experience things within this, this, this worldview. Eventually, you're going to have a large portion of young people being like, we're the new generation, we're taking over and you don't speak for us, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, I don't know, sure, whatever. Like, bro, I'm just going to speak. Do your thing. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back. 
along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. But I recognize if it comes to the point where we are no longer the core demographic, the money demo, well, then we're, we're, we're on the back end of that bell curve. So, you know, the way I see it is that there will come a time right now at 37, you and I, we are the money demo. What this means is we are the people who are inheriting the workplace. We are the people who are inheriting the companies. We are beginning to take over the industries. People, uh, Gen Xers are getting closer to retirement. They're in higher levels of, uh, of, of, of employment. But it's not a question of who or, or, or uh, if. It's literally when. There's going to be some dude, a boomer, and he's like, I'm retiring. And he's going to be the CEO of some manufacturing plant. And, and it's like the board's going to have to name a successor. And there's going to be some dude who's in his early 50s, a Gen Xer, who's going to inherit the company. Eventually, that Gen Xer is going to be like, I'm retiring. And guess what? It's going to be a millennial who inherits it. That's just the normal process. Right now, that's all of us, the millennials who are uh, now inheriting the world. It's why you're starting to see like, you know, AOC might run for the Senate. Eventually, AOC is probably going to run for president because there's going to be no one else because we inherit the world. And then eventually we start to retire as well. And Gen Z will start picking these things up. Right now, Gen Z is entering industry and the voting block. This means that their interests are going to start competing with our interests. But we are the money demo. We are the people that are reaching the mid-level positions, holding large sums of cash. Don't get me wrong. Boomers still hold a disproportionate amount of wealth. But boomers will retire and take that money with them. And industry will be inherited by Gen Xers and millennials. Once we have control of industry, it is going to be our opinions that matter most. Meaning when it comes to lobbying positions, when it comes to what corporations want, it's going to be an older millennial and younger Gen Xer who are going to be like, they're going to go to Congress and say, this is what we need to see. I could not imagine this in my day. I mean, completely honest, like when I'm 18, I did not imagine a scenario in which I was sitting down with a member of Congress, giving my thoughts on the state of the world and what should happen, and then watching them go to Congress and talk about it. I never thought we would be in that position. Uh, I'm not saying that my opinions, I'm like telling a member of Congress, like, hey, go talk about this. I'm saying, when we have members of Congress on Timcast IRL and I say, here's how I feel. And here's how I think. And they're like, that's interesting. They talk about these issues. And I'm like, wow, it's really weird that what I'm talking about is hitting the floors of Congress. Well, yeah, it's not it's not special. We just are being like responsible for what happens in this world. I don't think it's an issue of deserving it. I think it's an issue of if you are there and you are doing the work, people eventually will start asking you because everyone else retires. I asked this of the band Death Cab for Cutie. Big fan of those guys. Back when Chris Walla was still in the band, I was like, how do you make it in music? Like, what's the what's the secret? And the gist of what he said was, you just keep playing. The general idea being, when they got started, that there was a bunch of bands in, uh, in, in the local scene, and everybody would come to shows. But one by one, they would stop playing. They would break up. They would get jobs. But they kept playing. People liked their music. They made more music. More people would hear about their music and see their shows. And because they were always there, they built a base. That base kept listening to their stuff and following their new music. And eventually they're just playing these big shows. Why? Because they just kept doing it. Because 
if you're if you're in a band and you give up right away, no one's going to come to your show because you don't exist. But if you're in a band and you're around for 10 years, eventually enough people know you exist. You've just been there. That's kind of how the machine works. We are going to see, you know, Governor Matt Gates. perhaps. I mean, that dude's not going away. He's a fighter. Maybe senator, maybe even vice president, maybe even uh, uh, president. Who knows? Someone like Matt Gates, he's not going to stop and he's going to be in this position. He's going to build the clout, build the notoriety. And then eventually someone's going to say, we need someone to run for president. 2032, who knows? Who could it be? And they're going to be like, Matt Gates has got a massive presence. He's super well-known, famous. He's got a long career behind him. And if he announces he's running, he immediately gets tons of support. That's how these things happen. Now, I know Matt's probably thinking like, oh, I don't know about all that. But no, look, man, it's not a a question of uh, uh, should you do it right now? Does it make sense? It's eventually there will be no one else. And the storied career will be behind Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, uh, uh, Matt Gates, And on the left, you're going to have the squad members. AOC will eventually be like Nancy Pelosi, a weathered old woman who's saying, we have to stand by and do these things. You know, President Matt Gates is awful. That's what you're going to get because we'll just be there. That's how it rolls. That being said, my point ultimately comes down to this. How is it that the boomers have not relinquished this power? They're holding on to wealth. They're holding on to power. And I think it's time that younger people start standing up and just taking these roles and assuming these positions, running for office. All of this being said, my main point is this. Trump is old. Joe Biden is too old. Ultimately, I don't see how we reasonably get through another year with all of the ailments Joe Biden has had. And it is entirely reasonable to suggest Joe Biden will drop out of this race. We'll see. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. In this story from the post-millennial, CNN fact check attempts to discredit Biden impeachment inquiry, but instead confirms its merit. Ah, I find it also humorous. The other day we learned that the White House was sending a letter out to major media organizations, effectively instructing them to scrutinize the impeachment against Joe Biden. And they've tried. I don't think Biden even really needed to send that letter out because the media outlets were doing it anyway. One of my favorites is how they keep inserting without evidence. Kevin McCarthy launches an impeachment inquiry without evidence. There is so much evidence that you could probably convict Joe Biden today if you presented it to a jury. But fine, we'll slow roll it because the Republicans presumably are playing politics and want to have the impact of each accusation, each bit of evidence be as thick and as palpable as possible. But Michael Tracy brings up a good question. He tweeted, are we really or are the Republicans really going to be impeaching Joe Biden for something he did eight or nine years ago in the Obama administration? It's a good question. But the shocking revelation is that Rep Gosar says this is basically why Joe Biden is funneling money to Ukraine. It's all connected. You see, as vice president, Joe Biden was involved in corrupt business dealings. I got the evidence. Okay, fine. I don't want to hold back. I'll make sure I bring it up right away. Biden Inc. from Politico magazine. We got it all laid out. We'll go through it all. But this shows you right here. This is what Joe Biden had been doing. And if he is the point person on Ukraine, then the evidence all lines up. Now, as president, for some reason, we're involved in a border dispute with Russia. Oh, come on. I know there's a big picture here. We can talk about energy into Europe, Gazprom, etc. 
I mean, you've got the Nord Stream 2 pipeline explosion. We're facing World War III for what? The Donbass? Okay, so Russia wants Crimea. They took it. It's access to the, it's, it's access to the Black Sea for Russia. And they want a land bridge there because right now they have that other bridge, a bridge. And I guess, you know, Ukraine, Ukraine tried to blow it up. And then you, you now have Russia trying to seize the Donbass to create a land bridge from Russia into Crimea. We call it land bridge, but basically to have territory they control so they can have roads going into Crimea, their warm water port. There's a Russian military base, been there for a long time, well, naval base. It's the home of their Black Sea fleet because it's their port. I mean, it is what it is. So all this makes sense. But if Russia wants to take it, why is it our business? Now, they make all these arguments like, oh, Russia is coming for Poland next. Oh, come on. Russia is doing everything to avoid, or I should say they're trying to avoid directly inciting NATO and targeting NATO territory. But it will escalate that far because the U.S. has decided to intervene. Now, look, I'm not a fan of Russia invading Ukraine and taking the Donbass. That's bad. But there is no justification presented to any of us as to why the U.S. should be involved in this conflict. So I think there's a strong reason to argue that the conduct committed by Joe Biden as vice president has continued to this day. And you know what? For that, an impeachment inquiry is sound. But let's get started by reading this from the Post Millennial. CNN fact check attempts to discredit Biden impeachment inquiry, but instead confirms its merit. Ah, I love this one. Here you go. On Wednesday, CNN attempted to fact check claims surrounding the Biden family's reported illegal foreign business dealings, but inadvertently fact checked themselves instead. I love this. When trying to discredit House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's claims that the Biden family and their associates have received more than $20 million from shell companies as misleading, the network confirmed the Republican speaker's comments. The network writes, claim Biden family and associates got $20 million through shell companies. Bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shell companies, McCarthy said. Facts first, reports CNN. This is true about Joe Biden's family and associates, but there is no public evidence to date that the president personally received any money. Now, here's the best part. That's a lie. There is evidence. Now, is there proof? No. You see, this is the game they play. Evidence and proof are two different things. Proof is like a video of a guy kicking a dog. And then someone says, did you kick the dog? And the guy says, no, here's a video showing you kicking the dog. Then you walk into the camera, state your name, birthday, and social security number, state your intention was to kick the dog. And we have four different angles of this video. That's proof. Evidence is the dude has mud on his boots from the backyard where the dog was, and the boot prints in the yard match his boots. Could it be that someone else had the exact same boot? Yes. Which is why it's not proof. It's evidence. But you present the evidence to a reasonable person, they're going to be like, come on, man. The likelihood someone else had the exact same shoe size, exact same boot, went in and kicked the dog, slim to none. But we do want to have, re we, we, we do want to make sure we're not just condemning the innocent off of one piece of evidence. So when it comes to Joe Biden, is there evidence that he received money? Yeah, it's called Hunter Biden saying he gave his dad the money. I mean, I, <laughs> what else do you do? It's like if if there's a dude and he's like, uh, it's my dog. And or it's like, I was with this guy. He's my friend. I watched him kick the dog. Like, I don't know. There's no evidence. 
What? That's laughably insane. There's more. There's, of course, the witness testimony from Devin Archer and Tony Bobulinski, associates of the Biden family who outright said they were doing this. And then you have, of course, the emails where it's 10% for the big guy. Yes, they testified. We know who the big guy is. There's so much evidence. It's insane. But here's the best part. They accidentally confirmed what McCarthy had said. Why? Well, did Kevin McCarthy say we have proof positive of criminal activity for from Joe Biden? No, he said Joe, the Biden family and their associates, <clears throat> excuse me, received $20 million. Bank records show that $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden fam- family members <clears throat> and associates through various shell companies. Where did he say Joe Biden personally received it? Fact check. This is true about Biden. Thanks. Have a nice day. That's all we need. Because now the question is, if we have all of this evidence, perhaps we should open an investigation. Aha. A preponderance of evidence exists that Joe Biden may have done this. Let's investigate. Gather the evidence in an impeachment inquiry. Present it before the grand jury, which in this case would be Congress, and have a vote if we should indict on these charges. In which case, the answer is yes, resoundingly. So thanks for that, CNN. But as I mentioned earlier, Michael Tracy asks an important question. He said, Republicans are really going to impeach Joe Biden for conduct from eight or nine years ago when he was vice president in the Obama administration. Does that mean they're giving up on ever doing any real oversight to the Biden administration? You know, the one actually in power right now. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. One individual responded saying the conduct is ongoing. More importantly, Rep Gosar himself tweeted, In my view, Our nation's involvement in a proxy war with Russia is a direct result of these Ukrainian bribes that are going going on in real time right now. I agree. I give you the Babylon Bee. Democrats say it'll take a lot more than eyewitness testimony, bank records, audio, video, complete confessions for them to believe Biden did anything wrong. It's funny because the Babylon Bee isn't even really satire. They're just creating titles that are true in a humorous way. I mean, it is satire that Democrats didn't literally come out and say that, but come on. Yeah, they basically said that. And there's, there's, it's just the proof is insane. Tony Bobulinski's testimony, Devin Archer's testimony. It's been three years. Hunter Biden's laptop, text messages, leaked emails, victims of Biden family influence peddling, signing sworn affidavits. Victor Shokin signed a sworn affidavit saying that Joe Biden did this in reference to the Burisma scandal, that he was fired because of Joe Biden's influence peddling. Devin Archer testified that Hunter Biden called D.C. to get the prosecutor fired. Joe Biden then flies to Ukraine and says, if you don't fire the prosecutor, you're not getting a billion dollars. Mykola Zlochevsky, the founder of Burisma, was under criminal investigation by the prosecutor and by multiple agencies, had his assets frozen and fled the country. The prosecutor gets fired by Joe Biden because of Joe Biden instructing it. And then the new guy comes in, clears Zlochevsky of wrongdoing. Zlochevsky then returns to the country. Uh, when Donald Trump gets in office and starts looking into this, these crimes, Zlochevsky once again flees. It is so insanely obvious 
to any reasonable person. <clears throat> but here we are. The Democrats, their lies are palpable. It's amazing. So here's the funny thing. Let's go back to the post-millennial. Claim Biden family and associates got $20 million through shell companies. Is it evidence of wrongdoing that the Biden family received $20 million from foreign entities and foreign governments? Yes. Is it proof? No. So why then does CNN's Oliver Darcy write that there's no evidence, no evidence of a crime, despite the fact that there is evidence of a crime? But let me break it down for you once again. Let's do another another analogy. A man at a liquor store is shot and killed. He's robbed. The person used a let's say they used a Smith. I think it's a Smith and Wesson, a governor. It's a uh, revolver that can take 45 45 long and 410 shotgun shells. The shells in question were defensive slugs, 410 slugs. The police get a description of a man. They find a man who lives nearby, who in fact has a governor and has the exact same 410 uh, slugs. This is evidence. They say the man, there's a man we discovered living nearby and he has the same weapon that had been recently fired with the same shells. They find those shells, the same shells near his apartment and near the liquor store half a block away. Evidence of a crime does not mean proof. They then investigate. Turns out, not him at all. These shells were just, they fell out of, a, you know, he had collected from a, he picked up his brass and his trash from a firing range, had it in his car or got stuck in his pant leg and fell out. And they later find that, you know what, while they are the same, this guy has a, has a rock solid alibi and video evidence that he was nowhere near the scene of the crime. That, the, the alibi, is proof he did not do it. And thus he's exonerated. They investigate. So here's what happens. They say, somebody found shells nearby at this house. We've investigated. We got a warrant. People are accusing the guy saying, we know you did it. And the cops go in and the guy says, I wasn't even here, man. It's a commonly used shell. You see, my point is that's evidence, but it doesn't prove it. And thus the guy did nothing wrong. So what do we say? We say Joe Biden received money. Joe Biden's associates, uh, his family's associates, people he had known and lied about talking to and providing information to are doing these deals and getting this money. And they're claiming it's going to Joe Biden. That's a lot of evidence. Doesn't prove it just yet. In my view, I believe it proves it proves it beyond a reasonable doubt. But what's the process? You find the shells on the ground and you say, we are going to begin investigating a person of interest. We're not even calling him a suspect yet. Turns out he's got an alibi. Sorry for wasting your time. So now we begin that process with Joe Biden. The media lying, in my opinion, actually backs up the claims. They are so desperate to downplay all of the evidence. I think it actually makes it look worse for Joe Biden, considering he sent them a letter telling them to do it. Like, holy crap, dude. Let's try another scenario. Liquor store gets robbed. They find a 410 shell on the ground. A guy a block away has the, has the same shells in front of his house. The dude calls the press. He's a wealthy businessman and he instructs them, do not report on this. And if you do, you better tell them I'm innocent. Now I'm like, eh, this is kind of weird. There's an email where it's like, we're delivering these shells to this guy's house. And his neighbor says, yes, the, uh, a, a guy who works with him says he was he was really pissed off at the, the, the store owner. Do we have a video of him committing the murder? No. But you have neighbors and his, his co-workers being like, oh, he was ragging on that guy all the time. I worked for him and he instructed me to go to that liquor store and complain and demand a refund. It's like, OK, 
at a certain point, it all stacks up. But you know what? Whatever happened to this guy happens to this, uh, this Joe Biden. I don't know where we ultimately do end up, but I know that Joe Biden is hurting. And so they're desperate. Take a look at this story from Axios. Biden's new attack wrapped the GOP in MAGAnomics. Oh, I love this opening paragraph from Axios. President Biden initially resisted the term Bidenomics when he embraced it uh, until he embraced it to tout his economic record. Now he's trying to stick a label on Republicans, MAGAnomics. Oh, okay, okay. To accuse them of plotting an assault on Medicare, Social Security, and the middle class, blah, blah, blah. So when the economy has some good numbers, it's Bidenomics. And now that things are getting bad, hey, well, we got to blame the Republicans for all the moves they're making against you. Oh, please, just spare me, dude. I find it laughable. Here we go. NBC News. Far-right Republicans tell McCarthy his impeachment inquiry won't soften their spending demands because uh, it's really all about the government shutdown. That's the Democrats trying to claim. They just want to impeach. Yo, it, it is crazy. We had uh, you know, Ian Crossland on the show last night said, he was talking to his mom and he mentioned the impeachment and she said, yeah, but there's no evidence. And it's like, why, why would you say that? Serious question. Like, why would someone say that? And, she, and his mom was like, there's no evidence. He's like, but why would you say there is or isn't? That's a weird thing to do, right? It's because this is the purpose of the manipulation of organizations like CNN. This is why I say Oliver Darcy, media reporter for CNN, is abject evil because he knows what he's doing. I've talked to the guy. I've talked to him about a bunch of different stories. He knows he's lying and manipulating. There is no reason to include the sentence. When you say Kevin McCarthy opened an impeachment inquiry, comma, despite having found no evidence of criminal wrongdoing, that's a lie and it's unnecessary. What it is, is a primer for, for manipulation. Your average person then passively reads the story and then later just says, but there's no evidence. What do you mean? Yeah, there is. And yeah, but what do you what do you mean? No, there isn't. Sure. There's the statements from Tony Bobulinski, the statements from Devin Archer, the text messages from Hunter Biden saying he, he's giving the dad the money. There is a video of Joe Biden engaging in a quid pro quo. And there's the victim of the of the uh, 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 of the influence peddling, signing a sworn affidavit saying he lost his job as prosecutor because Joe Biden intervened to get him fired. And it likely was due, according to Devin Archer, because Hunter Biden called D.C. and said, get the prosecutor fired. He's coming after my company. It's amazing. But people don't read any of that stuff. They see CNN and just regurgitate it and repeat it like a mindless drone. And that's where we are. But the good news is, my friends, the panic is real. Take a look at this. Trump versus Biden. Oh, boy. Well, Biden's had uh, the, the, uh, the lead for a while. And Trump has taken it before. But right now, the real clear politics average as of right now shows Trump is up. That's right. The aggregate polling for Trump versus Biden shows Trump winning. We didn't have this in 2020, in, 20, uh, in 2019. No poll throughout the entire election season, according to CNN, that CNN conducted. I'm not talking about other polls. CNN said out of all the polls we conducted, we've never we never saw Trump ahead of Biden. Now we do. Take a look at this CNN's poll from August 25th, to August 31st. One thousand two hundred fifty nine registered voters with a three point six margin of error has Trump up one. That makes it a statistical tie, to be fair. And Biden does have a lead in a few other polls. But the latest uh, the latest from Quinnipiac has Biden up one. Messenger has Trump up one. There's a Wall Street Journal tie. Emerson and the New York Post have Trump up. If you take a look at this chart going back, you know, from April until July, Trump was actually favored to beat Joe Biden. Biden took the lead briefly. Trump has taken it back. So there was a period where Trump was in the lead. There was a small uh, part, uh, a small time in February 
where Trump was in the lead. But I think it is all entirely fair to say that the Democrats are panicking over Joe Biden's prospects, which is why in the earlier segment, I said, I think Joe, uh, Joe Biden will drop out. I want to say that he's going to do it in some way or another. I believe it will happen. I entertain the possibility and probability I could be wrong on this. But I think you can't. I think it is it is a reasonable thing to say that if you look at all the evidence, all the moves they make politically, the statements they've made about Trump being uh, I'm sorry about Biden being too old. They say Trump's too old, too. All of that lines up to they know they cannot have Joe Biden run. The only logical path is Joe Biden drops out for one reason or another. Maybe it's medical. They need to give him a clean exit. I love this from The New York Times. Trump has been privately encouraging GOP lawmakers to impeach Biden. The former president has talked regularly with members of the House Freedom Caucus and other congressional Republicans who pushed for impeachment. Yes, yes, because they want to make sure you all know that behind the scenes, Trump is trying to remove his political rival. Whatever. I don't care that Trump is doing this. In fact, I encourage it. In fact, I'm saying publicly and boisterously on camera every day, Joe Biden should be impeached. I I can't say it enough. I can't list the evidence enough. And I've even gone through everything. In some videos, I've gone through a lot, but there's so much. I mean, just to say it again, two people in the Biden family circle confessed, say, gave sworn testimony saying, yep, they did it. That's amazing to me. So they want to drag Donald Trump. In the meantime, they've called Trump's claims that Biden instructed Garland to prosecute him. They call that a conspiracy theory. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, because here's what happens Trump reads the news, he then repeats it. The news then backtracks and claims Trump's lying. It's the funniest thing about the corporate press is when they report something, Politico, for instance, Ukraine meddled in the 2021, I'm sorry, in the, in the, in the 2016 election. Why did I say 2021? Politico reported that. Uh, let me, let me, uh, I'm going to make sure I pull it up because, you know, everybody always, you know, you'll get these lefties watching these videos, but that's not true. That's not true. Uh-oh, Politico reported it. Ukrainian effort to sabotage Trump backfire. Uh, yeah. January 11th, 2017. I can cover this a million and one times. They wanted to help Hillary Clinton. They leaked information on Manafort. Trump reads this. He then gives a rally where he's like, you see this? Ukraine trying to help Hillary Clinton. Crooked Hillary. And then the media comes out and says, Trump's pushing Russian propaganda. Huh? He's just citing Politico. And then Politico EU writes a couple years later that the claims that Ukraine interfered is Russian propaganda. I'm still waiting for Politico to retract this story. Amazing. The Ukrainian efforts had an impact in the race, helping to force Manafort's resignation and advancing the narrative Trump's campaign was deeply connected to Ukraine's foe in the East Russia. But they were far less concerted or centrally directed than Russia's alleged hacking and dissemination of Democratic emails. I, I think that's correct. Based on my assessment, what seems to be is a few a few individuals in high positions in Ukraine were trying to sabotage Trump, whereas Russia's interference, which it exists, but I don't think it's anywhere near as pronounced as the Democrats want you to believe. But the Russians, of course, interfered. And I think it's fair to say most countries do. But Russia did. And it was more centralized and direct. That's a bad thing. We do not like Russia for these reasons. But to act like this was not reported, when Trump sees it and says it, they then come out and act like, oh, no, no. 
But let's not forget the reality. Joe Biden instructed Merrick Garland to target Donald Trump. And the message is loud and clear. If you if you want to get ahead, you will do as the Democratic Party wants. So should Joe Biden be impeached? Absolutely. The conflict is at the highest levels of government, and it's not going away anytime soon. If Donald Trump loses this time around, for whatever reason, this anti-establishment wave is not stopping, be it the left or the right. Now, leftists, for some reason, tend to defend the establishment when it comes to Trump, even though they, they, they otherwise act like it's a bad thing. Don, and I, here's what I think. But, uh, you've got Bernie Sanders and Trump as the insurgent candidates, but Bernie lost and Trump won. When Trump takes over the party, the neocons lose it. They try to stop him. They team up with Democrats. We've seen this. The leftists, knowing the right in any, fam, uh, in any fashion are their enemies, will accuse Trump of being the establishment, despite knowing He's, he's, he's opposed to their machine. They just don't want him to win. They want to win. So they will back their enemies, the neolibs, if it means getting rid of Trump. I think it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. But in the meantime, I'd like to thank CNN for confirming that uh, Joe Biden was receiving illicit money. Or should I say his family was receiving illicit money, which is confirming what McCarthy said and warrants an impeachment inquiry. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all then. Ah, the rise and fall of Oliver Anthony. It's a little bit of an exaggeration to say the fall. What we're looking at is a meteoric rise effectively overnight for a dude who's not accustomed to this level of fame and finance. And the fall is a bit minor, but it's there. Uh, I don't want to be too hyperbolic in saying it because a lot of people are you know, going to take it to me and I think the dude will cease to, to exist or will fizzle out or something. No, Oliver Anthony is going to be here for a while, but uh, things will normalize. The mass amount of, uh, massive amount of attention he's getting will begin to wane, and then he'll find his plateau, which is great. I'm really excited for the guy. I, I wish the best for him. I think he's a good dude. But there's a lot in this story about his canceled show and the backlash he's receiving that gets into the world of fame and industry. And there's uh, just a lot that I really want to talk about pertaining to this. For those that didn't see the story, we did talk about it a little bit last night on IRL. Oliver Anthony was going to play a show at a venue called Cotton-Eyed Joe. The event was canceled after Oliver Anthony noticed the ticket prices were going to be 90 to $200. The $200 mark is for his meet and greet, and the $90 were for general admission. The venue stated that it's what he wanted. They said that it was a contract to perform for one hour for $120,000. And to, to make that work, you've got 1,500 people who can come to the venue, who can fit in the venue. And if you're going to cover the cost and make it work, it's 90 bucks a ticket. Here's what I think happened. More information has come out since we talked about it, because these posts are back from a couple days ago, I, I believe. It seems that Oliver Anthony made a mistake. He talks about how he brought on his buddy, who's a full-time plumber, to do his booking. Mistake. His buddy didn't understand what he was getting into, and thus it resulted in high ticket prices. Oliver Anthony made a mistake. I can respect that. I, I, dude, I really do. I think the song's fantastic. He's getting heat, and I feel so bad. Look, I tweeted that I feel bad for Oliver Anthony. I genuinely mean it. For many of you sitting at home with your acoustic guitar, writing a song, and wishing that you could reach the level that he has, you're probably thinking like, why well, feel bad for the guy? He's got everything. 
from my point of view, and I totally respect that point of view. I think you're correct, right? He's in a much better position than he's ever been. From my point of view, I, I, I understand being thrust into the limelight and then having a bunch of people just hate you for no reason. And you're like, man, I didn't even ask for this. It's just, it happened, but it happens. A lot of people don't, don't really get it. <clears throat> when, you, when you go from mundaneity, I suppose, and I don't mean that with, with disrespect at all, when you're just walking around minding your own business, your own person, and then all of a sudden everyone knows who you are, people literally will just randomly try to kill you. It's nuts. But I want to talk about this because uh, personally, I see a lot in a lot of similarities in the experiences I have and have had throughout my career. And I think it's interesting how people are talking about and treating Oliver Anthony. There are a lot of people tweeting that he's subpar, he's a bad musician, that, that we should have known better, that he's a communist. And I'm like, dude, chill. That's why I feel bad. It's like, come on, man. Look, when I first gained followers on Twitter and I'm being inundated by people threatening my life, insulting me, it was jarring. I got over it very quickly because I understand. I've seen so much in my life when it comes to celebrities and stalking, but I was never on the receiving end of it. When it started happening in small scale after Occupy Wall Street, I was like, wow, is that what they were talking about? Well, the best thing you can do is just ignore it because it doesn't affect you. They will lie about you. They will steal from you. They will cheat. There are people who will make things up. I mean, I'll, let me just point. Look to Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling understood the fake news when she has that Rita Skeeter character lying about what Harry's saying. It's the craziest thing. Most, most people, I don't think, really understand what it's like when you open up a news article and there's a story about you and it's just not true and they're lying about you and you're like, damn, what do you do? And then you've got people threatening you and they're mad at you and there's nothing you can do about it. Let's break down this story. And then I want to I talk about the industry stuff and maybe help give you some inside baseball insight on how we set up events, how much it costs, how it operates. Because I, I often think people do not explain this. I saw a video of Taylor Swift today and it's like a far, it's like a video of her at some event. I don't know what she's doing. And someone said, Taylor Swift doesn't, Phil Labonte retweeted it. They said, Taylor Swift doesn't seem to know how to have fun. And uh, Phil said, she's doing fine. And you just need to understand, when you see a video of a celebrity like Taylor Swift, and she's at a party and she's all gussied up and, and dressed nice and she's like dancing lightly while drinking, she's at work. And there's so much behind the scenes to how they plan out these events. Look, man, I'll tell you this. You see a video of a celebrity at a party and you're like, man, I wish I could be doing that. It's so much fun. I'm like, dude, they're at work. It would, and, and, I, and I'm willing to, it's like the prince and the pauper. Some of these people are looking at you in the fields, just like, you know, pulling weeds. And they're like, they're so lucky, man. Sometimes I wish I could just do that. But granted, I'm not so naive to think that it's much easier in life to have to party and deal with social stress than it is to do backbreaking physical labor, which destroys your body. I'm just saying, understand it's not all peaches and cream. So here's the story. And Oliver Anthony responded. <clears throat> he said, Cotton Eye Joe has been canceled. Ultimately, it's my fault for not being more directly involved in the venues who have reached out. My plate has been full and I delegated the responsibility to someone else to help me book. I'm not pointing fingers at Cotton Eye Joe. I don't know where the miscommunication took place. I'm just upset seeing those prices. We will find another place in Knoxville. And so ultimately what's up happening, he, he finds another event. He joined Papa Roach Shinedown for, uh, uh, to play a few songs in a car park at the rain-affected Blue Ridge Rock Festival. Wait, uh, oh, no. He, it, wait, did they say he played with Papa Roach instead? Yeah, no. He played with Papa Roach at a different time. 
Uh, my understanding is that he found a different venue, <clears throat> excuse me, in Knoxville, and they fixed it. Here's the story. Let me let me play a quick clip of this uh, from Oliver Anthony for you guys. Oh, well, I always do that. I got to fix the audio. Sorry, guys. I just it's never set properly. Uh, my adrenaline's pumping, man. I'm pissed off right now. And don't buy Cotton Eye Joe tickets for $99 a piece. And sure as hell don't buy VIP passes for whatever bullshit price they're on. Um, I have a buddy of mine who's not a booking agent. He's a friend of mine. He's a full-time plumber. And I'm trying to hire him full-time as my booking agent. And uh, he agreed to the show, I guess, without asking for the, what the ticket prices are. Um, don't pay $100 for a ticket. That's horseshit. Uh, if we've got to cancel the venue and play somewhere else, we will. Uh, I didn't agree to it, and I don't want you to pay it. So please don't. Just I'm just trying to get the word out now. It's, I, I don't know when the event got posted, but just hold off for a little bit. I, I, th- this, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I, again, I like the dude. He's a cool dude. I can certainly understand he's dealing with this world of, of chaos that he did not expect. But I'm just going to say it. Canceling on Cotton Eye Joe was the wrong move. If it was anyone else, I'd call them a dirtbag. But Oliver Anthony is just inexperienced in this. And I, I mean no disrespect to him when I say this. I just say, like, I think, I think you made a mistake, my friend. Yo, that venue did work when you requested that. When you guys made the mistake and saw those high prices, I believe that Oliver Anthony's statement should have been, guys, we just saw the high prices. My heart's racing. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of playing shows at that price. The price should be lower. I hired my buddy to do booking. I don't know where the miscommunication was. If you want to come to an event at that price, please feel free to do so. I don't want to cancel on the people who have already shown up. You see, let me just let me just slow down. What should have happened is Anthony should have explained the situation, said it is not my intention to charge exorbitant ticket prices, but he should not have canceled on those who did want to pay that to come. He should not have canceled on the venue who was putting in work to make that event happen. It is not wrong to perform at a high ticket price. If Oliver Anthony said, I'm going to be doing a one-on-one solo. Look, look, I'll put it this way. If a major corporation hit up Oliver Anthony and said, we love your song. We love the message. Would you be willing to do a private show for us and the corporate executives? Private event. We're not going to publicize it. We'll pay you a hundred grand. Yes. No question. He says, yes. Really? Wow. That's amazing. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Companies do this. They've done it. I know people who have gotten this. There are tons of bands where you like, look, rich people exist and they're fans of music. Think about your favorite band. Would you be willing to pay to have a private show between you and your friends? Of course you would. If you were worth $50 million and you had a bunch of liquid cash just sitting around in millions of bucks, you'd be like, I can, I can drop 50 grand to have my favorite band of all time play for me. Now, if it's like your favorite band is Metallica, good luck, because <laughs> that's going to be a lot more money. My point is, <clears throat> man, excuse me, I just frog in my throat all day. My point is, some people are willing to pay that money to see the show. Go for it. Like canceling the show, I'm going to tell you what happened. 
Somebody lives in the area and planned on going. They bought tickets. They did not hear the show got canceled. They're, they're going to show up and be like, wait, what happened? Because people don't all follow the news. They don't all follow Oliver Anthony. There's probably someone who, like a girlfriend, knows that her, her husband's a huge fan of the guy with the song. You know, he's got a bunch of really great songs. I, I, I think it's unfair to say he's a subpar musician. That's ridiculous. Oliver Anthony is actually a cream of the crop, top of the top musician. And people who think that music is supposed to be the most intricate, arpeggiated guitar don't know music. This dude made the most delicious cookie dough ice cream you could buy. And, and, and everyone wanted to buy it. Then other people are like, it's just it's trashy ice cream anyway. Sour grapes, get out of here. Music is not about just being the best singer in the world. There's tons of singers who suck and you know it and they're famous rock stars. But anyway, there may be some woman got, got tickets for her husband as a surprise and then doesn't follow any of this. Saw the show, said a couple hundred bucks for a, for a big theater, big venue. Sounds awesome. He cancels on her. She misses it. She gives the tickets to her husband. Who's like, oh, dude, they canceled this, man. She gets a refund for sure, but they don't get to go to the show. I, I don't like the idea of last minute abrupt shift like this. I think what he should have done is just said, I didn't realize it was going to be like this, man. I hired my buddy. You know, that, that's what he was saying in that video. Did I play it or? I had to pull off on the side of the road and make this video. Yeah, he I'm, mentions uh, uh, Yeah, I, I, okay. He mentions he hired his buddy who's not experienced. Yo, you, you can't do that, man. I'm not, I'm not going to insult the dude for making a mistake. You know, I, I, if, if he ends up seeing a video like this, you know, I mean no ill will. Just he'll learn from this. And I respect that. Everybody does. Booking, hiring booking agents is not something your plumber buddy can just do. You know, I know so many people who think, you know, look at, look at that, look at that song um, by the Dire Straits, Mon uh, Money for Nothing and the Chicks for Free. The story goes, apparently these guys were like hanging out at the Best Buy or something. And they saw the, the workers there watching a music video of the Dire Straits saying like, man, that's the way to do it. Huh? Money for nothing and the chicks for free. Dude, it's a lot of work creating that art, being in the recording studio. It's brutal. That's why so many of these rock stars do drugs and end up ODing or killing themselves. It is a merciless and brutal job. Hey, man, you are rich, but karma exists. The world is not so simple. Sure, there are a lot of people who are better off than others. Some people deserve it. Some people don't. We can make those arguments. There are a lot of people who are like, man, I want to do your job. You probably do. Fair point. Some of you do. But I work like 16 hours a day. I have very little time off, if any, ever. And then I have people saying like, I don't know how you do it. Well, if you're wondering how we've built something so big, how we have a castle, we call it the cast castle, how we've got a skate park. Yeah, it's because I work 16 hours a day every day. And for three years, I took zero days off. Zero. I'm not exaggerating. Zero. I would do Monday through Friday, morning show and night show, Saturday and Sunday, morning show. No days off. None. I'm sorry, that was for about a year. The two years before that, I just worked straight Saturday, Saturday through Sunday, nonstop doing the morning show every day with no days off. And you work that hard. You run as fast as you can on that treadmill. You get ahead. But back to Oliver Anthony. What he's going through now, let's let me show you some tweets. Top Lobster, we've had him on the show. He said, this guy is more of a fraud than I originally thought because Cotton Eye Joe said he canceled on us, right? Be careful booking him. Bro, Oliver, you really screwed over these guys. And I'm, I'm just, I'm bummed by that. I know you didn't need to, but you really screwed these guys over by canceling them on, on them like this. I don't know how long they had had the event planned. Oliver Anthony's, of course, been around, only around for like a month or two or whatever. But venues put in a lot of work. 
let me let me give you some insights before we go on to the next tweets. We did an event in Austin. The venue costs money. Staffing costs money. Equipment, transportation, hotels. Uh, uh, for us, we had to get an Airbnb. And you, you watch Tim Cast IRL. We're in a living room on couches doing the podcast to keep costs down. I said last night that I think we lost maybe like 10 grand doing that event. I'm told that it may be closer to 20, 25,000. Wow. And that was just the event. We sold tickets for $125. And on the event itself, not including the extraneous costs like our studio and accommodating our staff, it was probably like 10 grand. Then you factor in all the salaries and everything we have to do to be in Austin for that week. It's another like 15 grand. But you know what? That's what I spend money on. When you guys become a member at TimCast.com, that's the goal. Like, what am I? So, so I've got 25 grand going towards the business. What do I do with it? Do I buy a car or something? Well, you know, I pay myself a salary and, and yeah, I buy nice stuff. But I'm like, I have no problem taking a loss of, say, 25K on an event like this if it makes something cool happen that builds culture. We're doing an event in Miami. Go to TimCast.com. I hope to see you at the event in Miami with Patrick Bet David. Donald Trump Jr., Matt Gates, me, Luke Rutkowski, Ian Crossland, and a big group of other guests. Uh, we've sold a fair amount of tickets. We need to sell a lot more. And uh, oh boy, this one's expensive. It's a theater, my understanding is. It's taken like nine months of planning to get to this point. We're charging $175 per person. I'm stressed a little bit about it because I know it's expensive. And I'm like, man, it's a lot of money for this event. It is, however, like, once a year thing. We've sold uh, a decent amount of tickets so far. Uh, maybe I think we're around like 30, 30% sold. We sold, we, we, we're selling at a comparable rate to the first event, but we're doing a much bigger venue. And so um, we, we really need to sell the tickets. I'm hoping we can. Otherwise, wow. Guys, events like this cost six figures, right? I think it's going to cost like a hundred and something thousand dollars to put on an event like this. And it's, and it's rough. We're thankful to Public Square. They came in to sponsor the event, and we're good. The ticket sales alone probably get us close to break even, maybe a little bit more or less. I think probably would put us under, and we're charging $175 per ticket. I'm not going to play this game where I'm like, ticket sales should be cheap. What I see here with Oliver Anthony is that he doesn't understand. In this post he made on Facebook, he said, I will work to get your tickets refunded for my own budget. We'll find another place to do a $25 ticket and free meet and greet. Dude, I saw that with a smile on my face. I'm like, you get it, get it, bro. Get it. A meet and greet for free. I wish, man. I wish. Dude is more famous than me by a long shot. I think it's fair to say. I don't know. It's a weird thing to say. Like, I don't know how you actually measure that. But I'm, I'm willing to bet. More people know who this guy is in one month than me in 10 years. A lot of people may have heard of me passively, but this guy's got fans. Bro, I can barely handle meet and greets. That's why I don't do a lot of them. I don't, I don't think people get it. I love meeting people on the street. I love people coming up and saying, hey, man, I'm a big fan, and they shake my hand. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm doing something good. Because almost every single interaction I've had with the public when people are like my fan of your show has been positive. But boy, I tell you what. You do a meet and greet and you get even 100 people after we do an event and I'm coming off stage and there's a line of like 
100 people who want to meet me? That is insanely difficult. I wish I could meet everybody, but just think about it. How many conversations can you really have? How many how, 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 to get to the core of all of it? But we try because I totally understand that it's all of you who, who each provide that, that, you know, light as a feather, stiff as a board, that one finger where you can lift up a body when everyone does it and it makes what we do work. But I saw that and I was like, good luck, bro. Seriously, I do mean it. But I think it's going to come to a point where he's like, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that. And he'll learn. He will. You know, he said he wants his events to be cheaper, 25 bucks. Man, I wish we could do that. But it, it's like it's been nine months of planning to get the to get everything set up to where it is right now at the event, trying to confirm and coordinate. We have full time staff dealing with coordinating one event for the year, just one, and they get a salary. And then we've got to like factor in all of the work they've done throughout the year. I, I got to be honest, even with the sponsorship from Public Square, we're huge fans, by the way. I think we're probably breaking even on the Miami event because we have a full we have full time staff. We have assets and everything that, that we have to pay for. We have maintenance. We have uh, transportation back and forth throughout the year coordinating this stuff. It is, you know, it's, it's a lot easier for Oliver Anthony. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest when he's acoustic set. But for these venues, everything we are getting set up, they have to maintain throughout the whole year, which means if they only did one event. Oh, they'd be spending millions. So they get all the equipment, have to maintain it, hire the staff and the engineers. And then through, throughout the year, each show coming in, they handle the logistics. The show can come in. It's much easier. It's a well-oiled machine. I feel bad for Cotton Eye Joe because I know what we go through in setting up events and having Oliver Anthony cancel on them, basically just pull the rug out from under them. And the insinuation is that these guys at Cotton Eye Joe were trying to make a quick buck. I'm willing to bet Cotton Eye Joe was breaking even on the event at 90 bucks a ticket and 200 for a meet and greet. You do the math, 1,500 seats, 90 bucks. We're looking at just around like 120,000, which is what the contract was going to be. They're hoping they'll probably lose money, but they make money on booze. That's how they do it. Most venues are going to lose money on the show, but they're going to make money on the booze. The idea is if you come and perform, you will bring people. Those people will buy alcohol from us. We make money. The entertainer makes the money from the customers, from the ticket, from people on the tickets. Sometimes the house gets a small cut, but a lot of these bigger guys are like, we, we want more than ticket sales. But the venue might be like, hey, man, we're going to sell 20 grand in booze. So we, we you know, we pay this band 100 grand. We sell uh, we sell the tickets for 90 for 90 bucks each. That covers the cost of the crew, the maintenance, security, insurance, the performer. We have to pull 10 grand out of our pocket to cover the, the, the difference but we're going to make 20 grand in booze. That's a 10K night profit for the venue. That's a good deal. What we end up seeing is, and I'm not going to show like the worst of the worst. Nuance Bro says, I uh, said in, uh, in August, I don't think that song by the red bearded dude is the best thing since sliced bread. He tweeted today, I see more of y'all are coming around to my OG skepticism about this song and the man behind the song. He's not doing himself any favors as of late and y'all made him the second coming, LOL. This is one of the lighter criticisms. There are people who are really insulting the guy, saying he's subpar. That you know, people are mentioning now that his songs are popping up on Pandora because of his fame. They're they're saying like, wow, you know, that one song and its message resonated, but his songs popping up on Pandora, ooh, it's not that good. I'll tell you this. I think Oliver Anthony's made a plethora of mistakes, and I don't blame him. You take a regular dude who's jamming out in Appalachia, 
and you make him Billboard Hot 100 number one? Yeah, come on. How do you handle that? He's a good musician. Music is a product. It's an art, but it's, pro- it's a product produced by a person with the intent of being sold in most instances. Now, you may try to be a purist and say, no, man, I don't make music for those reasons. I make music for, for the heart and the soul. Come on. Be a purist. Fine. I don't care. Some people, you know, make sculptures for the, for the art. Sure. Some people make tables for the art. That's fine. But music is something you're making for someone else. Product doesn't mean bad. Capitalism's not bad. These venues want to make money. We're capitalists. They should make money. They should profit. Profit's not bad. I can't stand this, this, this worldview. If I work on a song, putting my talent, my blood, sweat, and tears into my art, it is to make something someone else wants. And then money is a representation of the value you produced being traded for an individual so that you can continue to do your work. It's a good thing. Oliver Anthony is producing a product. He has produced such a good product and a handful of other ones that he's got. He's taken the nation by storm to say he's bad at what he does is wrong. However, people need to understand that we are not in the same kind of era uh, as we used to be. When I put on Pandora, the music I listen to, what are the songs that, that pop up typically? Uh, what do we have? Um, I like some I've been I've been listening to some shiny toy guns from like 10 years ago. I love the song. You are the one. And Ladisco is a classic. So I brought that one came back up in my feed. What else do we got? I got Rasputin by uh, Boney M. Talk about good. That's Netflix's fault. But then we've got a bunch of Three Dog Night, uh, uh, some ABBA, old stuff. That stuff just plays. Dancey music. And then I've got stuff like um, uh, Big Data is a good band. They got some songs from like 10 years ago. Big Data and Dangerous are, are, are good songs I really like. If Richmond, North of Richmond, popped up on my feed while I was listening to Pandora, I would skip it. Why? The music I listen to is for a particular reason. What else, what else, what else do I have? Uh, Soundgarden. It's like, typically the music I play will be skating, and we want some fast, bop, 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 you know, skate jam kind of music. It ain't going to be folk. It might come up. There might be a few songs that I would let play. But if his music came up, it's not the kind of stuff I'm going to listen to, despite knowing that, or knowing like most of the words to Richmond, North of Richmond, and liking the song. What I mean to say is, in today's era, politics plays a huge role. I have music, and it's partially political, because I don't want to make political music. Will of the People was like the biggest song we released, and we released it completely improperly. It kind of bums me out, because I know that if we released it properly, it probably would have been a lot bigger than it was, but it did really well. And uh, the songs we put out since then have done really well, but not nearly as well. Well, I mean, I guess technically the proper release of our song, Only Ever Wanted, charted. But uh, my, my view is is like... I'm, I'm not going to make a song called FJB. That's not music people want to listen to to sing along to. It's a political message. And what happened with Oliver Anthony is that he released a political message. That's his song. Richmond, North of Richmond, resonated with people for its words. That's not something you want to hear on, the, on, on, the, on Pandora when you're trying to jam out and listen to some Metallica or some, you know, Papa Roach or Shinedown or whatever. It's a political message. I don't, I don't know if he understands that. And that's good music, right? Uh, you've got the song Ohio, Neil Young. You've got Sound of Silence, good songs, political messaging. Some songs that are just overtly political. It doesn't mean we're going to put in our, 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 our repertoires. Where do, I, where do I end this? Okay. What I mean to say is a million, uh, uh, you know, 50 million people may have heard Richmond North of Richmond. And the message resonated with them. And a million of them 
are going to be returning customers who like the music for the music. 49 million liked the, liked the words. I am not someone who's going to blast country folk on my Pandora. A little bit, you know, I like, like acoustic punk and, and stuff like that, but it doesn't come up in my playlist all that often. He's going to drop precipitously. Not for good or bad reasons, but people will then start to insult him. They're going to say things like, whatever happened to that guy? Yo, homeboy is going to be rich for the rest of his life off of this. People might call him a one-hit wonder. Those are wrong to say. You know, the funny thing about a one-hit wonder, we had a, uh, we were listening to, putting on the Ritz yesterday, and everyone made the comment like, man, one-hit wonders. And I'm like, I looked him up. Taco, the performer, actually has a bunch of, has a bunch of songs. And he had more than one hit in the US, but he's mostly in Europe. And it's like, there are people who say things of me, like, whatever happened to Tim Pool? Oh, I love this one. There were some journalists who were writing on Twitter, whatever happened to Tim Pool? Uh, this was like five years ago. They were like, whatever happened to this guy? You know, big, you know, in the press from, you know, Occupy and Times Square, works for Vice and then gets hired at Fusion. Now, where's he gone? And they started, there was this thread where they were basically saying, like, I disappeared and my arc had ended. At the same time, I had a combined million followers, was making more money than it ever made, was bigger than I'd ever been on YouTube, you know, following Joe Rogan and stuff. And they had been oblivious to that fact because they read Time Magazine, saw the news about me. And then once Time Magazine stopped writing about me, of course they would stop writing about me. They said, whatever happened to that guy? And it's like, yo, I'm running a business and I've got more followers, more views, more attention, more press than I've ever gotten, but not where you are. So what will happen is Oliver Anthony is going to fall out of the limelight and not be so much in the press. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who knows how, how to embrace this and turn it into a, a, a build momentum off of it. He doesn't have to be. But he'll have his fans. Those fans will be with him forever. He'll sell out shows for a long time. And in a year or two, people are going to be like, whatever happened to that guy? And then they're going to find out that he had like three new songs that hit Billboard, but like in the rock and all, you know, in the country charts and at like number 37, which is tremendous and amazing. And they're going to be like one hit wonders. And it's going to be like, dude, the dude made it, you know? Anyway, there was a lot to go through that I could talk on this subject for a million years, but I'll wrap it up because this is a long one. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Next event segment is coming up at 6 p.m. And I'll see you all then. So uh, how many of you knew the writer's strike was still going on? I had no idea. We don't have writers here and we do a show not too dissimilar to what uh, Bill Maher and many of these other uh, personalities do. But I guess ours is more authentic. I don't have a script. I don't have a teleprompter. I just turn the camera on and then I talk. That's it. So Bill Maher wants to come back and people are really upset because he's defying the writer's strike. He put out a statement saying, look, there's more people in this than just the writers and they need to work as well. And Bill Maher is correct. And they're giving him heat for it. I can't stand this leftist stuff. The idea being that because writers are a component of studio productions and because they want a better deal, no one else should be able to work and everyone else should go on strike. Nah, nah, that's not fair. That's not fair to people. That's not fair to the business. That's not fair to, to, to industry. It's not fair to the people working at the company who like their jobs and want to get paid. I understand solidarity with the writers who are striking, but at a certain point, there's nothing else you can do. So Bill Maher puts out this statement. He writes, it's a little small, so we'll zoom in, but he says, real time is coming back. Unfortunately, sans writers or writing. It has been five months and it's time to bring people back to work. 
The writers have important issues that I sympathize with and hope they are addressed to their satisfaction. But they are not the only people with issues, problems, and concerns. Despite some assistance from me, much of the staff is struggling mightily. We all were hopeful this would come to an end after Labor Day. But that day has come and gone, and there still seems to be nothing happening. I love my writers. I'm one of them. But I am not prepared to lose an entire year and see so many below-the-line people suffer so much. I will honor the spirit of the strike by not doing a monologue, desk piece, new rules, or editorial, the written pieces that I'm so proud of on real time. And I'll say it up front to the audience. The show I will be doing without my writers will not be as good as our normal show. Full stop. But the heart of the show is an off-the-cuff panel discussion that aims to cut through the BS and predictable partisanship, and that will continue. The show will not disappoint. I think it will. Elon Musk says maybe you should put the uh, material on X. I think he does. I think Bill Maher does put it on the platform. But uh, I, I think this could be, in many ways, the demise of the establishment narrative, or at least another grain of sand in that heap. I grew up with Bill Maher. I didn't watch Politically Incorrect. I was too young. But when I was a teenager, we did watch real time. Periodically with my friends, we would watch real time. And uh, it was awesome. Now I'm at a point where uh, I'm doing my own podcast nightly news program where we discuss news stories. We do, you know, I think like four or five with a spattering of different stories in between all, uh, all of them. And I look at shows like Bill Maher as irrelevant. Here's what's funny. Uh, five months that Bill Maher has not been at work and uh, we have tried to book him. And we wanted to, in some ways, work with them. I've had people who are acquaintances between uh, the producers and that we've had on the show. And they say, we got to get you on Bill Maher. And my question is always, why? Why should I go on Bill real time with Bill Maher? So, uh, you know, there was an effort after Occupy Wall Street. They were like, you know, let's let's roll. And I had no idea what was going on back then. It was 10 years ago. Or I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And uh, but but anyway, I digress. I've had some high profile politicians and media personalities who are here at, uh, at Timcast be like, hey, we're friends with these guys. Can we get you on that show? And I'm just like, what's his viewership? A million? He gets a million per week. What's what's the goal of me going on the show? And they're like, well, the industry pays attention to it and they should hear what you have to say and you'd be really good on it. And I'm like, I would have to put my work on hold, fly out to California to talk to someone less informed than me to an audience that is smaller than mine. That's fascinating to think about, isn't it really? Now, I know Bill Maher's got legacy audience, but uh, I think his ratings are about a million. Yeah, we, we do substantially more than that every week. Unique viewers. We do way more than that. But I know, I know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything. My point is, is it worth the time and effort to engage with someone who is ill-informed and relies on writers to make jokes about news they don't actually understand? Someone who has mocked and belittled Dennis Prager when Dennis Prager was correct. You guys remember that clip? Now, Bill Maher's come around quite a bit. And this is another sign that he's starting to come around as well. So in recent times, uh, scheduling wise, and knowing about the writer's strike, we've actually reached out to his team saying, would he be willing to come out here? They said he's not interested. I say, OK, that's fine. Like n Nobody owes me any favors, right? I'm not going to I'm not going to be like, debate me, bro. You know, whatever. I then said, hey, to my booking uh, team. Ask them if they'll have me on Club Random if we uh, come and do the show in L.A. And they just said, we're not interested. And it's not so much about being on his show or, you know, Club Random's audience is much smaller than ours. It's because 
I'm at the point now where I see Bill is starting to open up to the truth. I'm wondering if we can have a legitimate conversation about these issues. You see, Bill Maher went on Joe Rogan's show and they had a discussion about various issues. Joe Rogan is a smart, inquisitive, funny, and talented individual beyond of which I will never compare. However, I know a substantial, uh, uh, I know substantially more about politics and certain issues than Joe does. I think it's fair to say that while if you're looking at like a skill tree, Joe Rogan is, you know, in aggregate, substantially higher, more knowledgeable, more talented than I. But in the area of politics and history, I probably come out a little bit more. And that's why he had me on the show with uh, Vijay Gata and Jack Dorsey, because there were things he didn't quite understand. So when I see a conversation between Joe Rogan and Bill Maher, I think I'm sitting there watching this going like, oh, say this, say that, Bill, no, this, no, that. And I'm like, I got to have a conversation with this guy. And uh, he doesn't have to believe what I believe or, or, or have the same opinions as me. But I have more things that I need to understand from his perspective. Where we are today is Bill Maher in this post is having another bit of an awakening. He is going to get attacked by the left. They're calling him a scab for breaking the picket line. Dude, you don't get to tell people they can't work because you want to strike. We say, wish you the best, guys. Good luck. We're going to do what we can because we need we need to work. It's amazing that the writers go on strike and they expect everyone else to get involved. And a bunch of actors and actresses are, are, are doing that. Margot Robbie joins the picket line. Yeah, it's virtue signaling. It's virtue signaling. Wow, Margot Robbie is only 33. I thought she was like around my age. Well, she's young. Anyway, we're seeing this with Jen Uger as well. I'm being told, uh, uh, I heard, he went on Michael Malice's show. Is that what it was? And when we had uh, Brianna Wu on, she mentioned something about if we would have Jenk on. I'm like, we've invited that guy 800 times. I'm like, I've known him for a decade. Just won't do it. Jenk, you're always invited to come on the show anytime, literally anytime. Would be awesome to have you on the Culture War podcast. What I think we're starting to see now with this, with Bill Maher, with Jenk, with many others, Anna Kasparian, is that they're starting to realize they bet on the wrong horse. I don't trust these people. I think it's plain as day. You come to me and show me a video of Joe Biden saying, you don't fire the prosecutor, not getting a billion dollars. I go, wow, Joe Biden did thing. But the likes of Bill Maher and, and Cenk Uger is they don't discuss these things. They don't explore these things. They don't listen to their critics. Dennis Prager goes on uh, uh, real time and says they're putting tampons in men's rooms, claiming that men menstruate. And they all laughed. And Bill Maher's like, you're, you know, you used to be reasonable. Now you're crazy. And they all laughed. And Prager was right. It, just beyond right. He was predictive. He was telling you what was going on now and talking about where it's going. And he was correct every way. And they laughed. When I hear something I'm not familiar with, I say, ah, is that true? I don't know if that's true. I, I have to fact check that one. I'm not going to call you a liar. I'm not going to say you're crazy or wrong. I'm going to be like, I'm not familiar with that. Brianna Wu asked me about Casey Anthony, Casey Anthony's case. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it at all. It's like, what do you think about it? I don't think anything. Like, what do I say? I don't think anything. And this is what I see with, uh, you know, Bill Maher and the Young Turks. When the, when, the, when the populist shift happened, they said, don't know, don't care. Left is right. Left is correct. Better way to phrase it. The right is wrong and the left is correct. That was their view. My attitude was, give me your arguments and uh, let's figure out what works the best. Donald Trump comes out and says, we got a big problem with the border. 
It's very porous. And then I'm like, yeah, actually, that really is bad that there's unmitigated immigration. And then the left says that's racist. And I'm like, huh? Trump says last night in Sweden creates this trend on social media. So I decide I'll go fly to Sweden. This funny thing happened. Paul Joseph Watson is like, I'll pay the, 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 the bills of anybody who wants to go there. And then I hit him up like, I'll do it. And he's like, I was kidding, bro. But OK, let's let's do this. And I immediately got hit up. We did a fundraiser. I said, I will go to Sweden and I will cover this. And people were like, look at this guy. He's a leftist. He's a liberal. And I got former colleagues saying, don't cover the news from Vice. And I'm like, why? I don't understand. Like, this is what I've always done. This is what I did at Vice. We'd see a story and then we'd go to that country and interview people. And they were like, no, don't do it. And I'm just like, that's crazy. Telling me not to cover the news. I don't know who these people are, but that's my position. Now you're seeing the likes of Bill Maher and the Young Turks, and there's many other people. There was a great tweet I retweeted from a doctor who was like, I was totally wrong about COVID, and I'm mad about it. I, should, I shouldn't have just been tribal. Yes. I think for some of these people, they're crooked, and they're starting to realize that they bet on the wrong horse, and it's going to negatively impact their bottom line. I think that of Bill Maher, which is one of the reasons I want to talk to him. You know, how could you have been so wrong about Dennis Prager? Why was your attitude to mock and belittle and call him unreasonable instead of saying, Okay, you're serious. Here's what here's what I do. If someone said that something outrageous to me, I'd say, are you, are you serious? This is a, you, you're saying this is in the news. You're saying Google it. Okay, can I get a producer to Google Google search this right now? Let's work. We're, we're live. We're taping. Let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. We do it on the show with our laptops. Imagine then a producer walked out on set and said, here's have the phone. And you, the host, Bill Maher looks at it and goes, Dennis Prager's right. <laughs> can you believe this? Wow. Imagine what a shift that would have been. But I think the view is we must just defend the left because we're the left instead of what's right, what is correct. But I'm, I'm glad to see it. I think uh, positive moves are being made. And I think Bill Maher is correct about what's going on here with, uh, with the writer strike and getting back to work. So good luck to you, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. I saw Hassan Piker prominent leftist streamer, respond to this video saying that he thinks if a cop punches your wife, you should be allowed to engage him equally. The badge should be void. To which I responded based. We have this video that was posted by Levendov. It's of an incident at Newport Beach, I believe it was. We have the story Newport wedding party arrested during late night melee, one charged with assaulting an officer from Monday, September 11th. I got some questions for you. In the video, there is a scuffle breaking out. And I give you the gist of the story. Uh, but a wedding party is at a, an event. There's some issues. A scuffle broke out. The cops show up. The cops try to detain a guy. The party is boisterous and drunk. And they're yelling. They're saying, stop. A woman walks over to one of the cops. And she makes like a very weak kick towards him. She didn't do like any kind of legitimate kick, in my opinion. The officer then just straight, bam, right in the face. Uh, now, he says it was an open palm slap. It's kind of a blurry video, so you, you, you don't really see exactly what happened. I'll play some of it for you, but I, I don't want to show any of the actual fighting, just to give you a sense of, of what was going on. You can see it's, it's this woman right here in the orange. The cops are trying to detain a guy. The cop pushes her. You saw that. They're saying back up. Right there, she makes that kick towards him. The officer moves in. What ends up happening next? Look, I'm sorry, guys. There's a lot of people who are like, why won't Tim ever play the videos? 
I'm not here to play shock content videos so you can watch people fight. I'm here to discuss the issue. You go on, go on Twitter. I tweeted it out. It's on my Twitter page somewhere. You can watch it there. The cop then, boom, hits them in the face. So a lot of questions here. The husband then loses it and just starts going on this cop, wailing on him, nearly knocks him out. He gets charged with assaulting an officer. Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, officer hit that dude's wife because that kick, that was weak. Now I get it. Hold on. There's a couple ways to look at this. Dude, don't attack cops. Seriously. I hate when people are like, no, you should, you should resist. No, you shouldn't. Look, cops exist for a reason. They are imperfect. But whether the cop is doing the right thing or the wrong thing, you cannot win by resisting and being violent. You win procedurally. And that means they can subject you to things. It is not good. I'll phrase it this way. I often would tell the Occupy activists and many of you who are, who, if you watch every episode, every, every segment, you've seen me say this. To, to target the emperor in feudal Japan, the ninja would not walk to the front gates and go, ooh, you imperial guards, you're in my way, and then fight with them. That's nonsense. Maybe for as a distraction, fine. But the ninja would sneak in in like uh, a servant's clothing and then assassinate their target. So what I'm saying is you need to understand the, the winning approach isn't always the direct one. And sometimes it sucks. So if you're at an event and a cop comes and it's shaking you down and wrongly targeting you, the worst thing you can do is act a fool. Yelling, screaming, I've been there. I've been on the receiving end of this and been arrested for it. Ended up winning. And then I learned my lesson. The smart thing to do is to shut up and just say nothing. And it's going to happen. Why? Because the cops often don't know who you are, don't care who you are, and are trying to just stop whatever it is that's going on, even if you are the good person. In my instance, I was wrongly accused of shoplifting and got arrested. We ended up winning, but it, drained, it, it cost us money and it was BS and no punishment came of these people. But what do you do? But now there's this question. So while I can certainly say they shouldn't be attacking this cop, what do you as a man do when your five foot three, 110 pound wife drunkenly lit, like makes a weak kick towards an officer who then clocks her in the face. <laughs> it's tough, man. Dude, the woman should not have kicked the cop, hands down. I don't know if she's been charged. I don't think so. But I am not surprised that the husband lost it and was like, you hit my wife, and then just boomed that cop. Now he's being charged for it. Okay, if I'm a cop, I'm gonna tell you exactly what's up. If I was a cop, and I'm trying to detain somebody, and it's a drunk party. Apparently, the story is, uh, according to this report, the story was that these people were in the venue, and a scuffle broke out. A server and one of the guys got into it. The, uh, the dude took a swing at somebody, so they kicked him out. The police were called. The police then tried to detain these individuals to figure out what, if any, charges would be filed, because you can't swing at people. Seems like this wedding party, but not in the right. If I'm the cop, and I show up to this, and these people are rowdy and drunk and they're acting all crazy. And I've got, you know, two other officers with me. And then a woman tries to kick me first. I am not going to punch her in the face. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing it. I will maybe just say like, hey, man, get her the back the F off. I'd back up and be like, stop. I wouldn't just turn around and then do a lunge forward to hit her because that woman is not a direct threat to me. I do not think the cop should. I think he says he gave her an open palm slap to the face to push her back. I don't see that as being necessary. I'm sorry, dude. I know a lot of people are going to be like, you don't know what it's like in the heat of the moment. Fair point. But I'm saying 
if I'm surrounded by people and there's a five foot two woman who does that weak lift legged kick that's like meaningless to me, I'm going to turn. I'm going to point my finger at her or I'm going to just get into a better position where they're not going to come up behind me to kick me. I don't see the safe and reasonable approach being to lunge towards her and strike. That being said, in the event I'm in the heat of the moment and I've got people all around me, they're not backing up, they're not complying. One of these guys is being accused of assault and I'm trying to just figure out what's going on because that's what they said. They're trying to detain the guy. I don't think the guy's even been charged. The guy who took a swing. If I, if I get someone kicking at my groin and then my instinctive response is to hit her, if the husband then punched me and knocked me out and I was this cop, and I went down and the guy was screaming, don't hit my wife. My response would be, and I mean this in all sincerity, I think many people would agree. My response would be not to charge the guy with assaulting an officer. My res- and I don't know, maybe that's the case. But if I was the officer, he says he was knocked out. He hit his head. His vision was blurry. He was dazed and confused. My response to the man would actually be an apology with criticism. I, I, I mean this, bro. You hit a man's wife. You expect him to lose it. I'm sorry. That's a fact. You hit a man's wife. What I would say is, dude, here's what I'm going to say. I don't think you should go to jail for for assaulting an officer because your intention was to hit a man who hit your wife. I get that. But bro, I think you owe. uh, So so what I would say is I I should not. You should. The guy should not hit the guy's wife. I'm sorry, man. That's just my view on this one. I can empathize with the cops who are being surrounded. And for that, that's what I think deserves an apology. However, the dude who hit the cop should apologize too. This is more of a situation where a scuffle breaks out and reasonable men sit down and say, conflict resolution. We are men of action. Let's just walk away from this with no collateral damage. Because that woman, she did kick that cop. The cop did punch that one in the face. And the husband became angry that his five foot two wife was punched in the face. I can totally understand a guy being mad about that. So my, my reaction is I'd tell the guy to apologize and I, I'd say, I'm sorry for hitting your wife, man. Come on. She kicked me. Right. And I, my, my immediate reaction was to hit her heat of the moment. Pro- maybe shouldn't have happened, whatever. But bro, you then hit me. A fight happened. Let's just call it a bad hair day. You can't do this stuff, bro. If anything, the charges, in my opinion, I guess the thing about being being human when it comes to law enforcement. I told this story about how I got pulled over by a cop and he said, screw off, even though like he gave me a speeding ticket, even though I wasn't speeding. I'll never forget that. The, the, the insult, the lies, the manipulation from that garbage officer. He didn't care. I'm assuming it was a quota. He accused me of speeding. I did not speed. And it took my license away and it, and it got me arrested for driving on a suspended license. That dude was a piece of trash. You know, so I so so I, I, I can I can understand the BS. I don't know, whatever. I, I talk about the story. But I can empathize with these cops that are trying to deal with, with a situation where you've got a rowdy crowd. But you need to be human in law enforcement. The judge in my case should have said, young man, tell me what happened. And I would have said, I wasn't even speeding. OK, I don't know why I got pulled over. I thought it was easier to pay because I was visiting my sister on a military base. And then I'm driving home and I get pulled over and accused of driving a suspended license. I didn't even know about. If I was the judge, I'd say, here's what we're going to do. I'm dismissing your charges. Get your license sorted. That's your deal. But be human. And judges are supposed to do that. But too much of the law becomes rigid BS. I think this is a bad hair day. I think it's an interesting story. But the reason why I want to talk about it is I want to ask you, am I wrong? 
I don't know if I'm right, man. I kind of feel like you punch a dude's wife, expect to get punched no matter what, no matter what that I'm telling you, a guy and his wife are going out and the wife says something nasty and it starts a fight. And then a dude hits the wife. Husband is going to hit you back. Like, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know, man. I, I, I just don't. I don't see any other reaction. Don't care who you are. Don't care what the wife did. You see these videos where it's like, and guys get annoyed by this. Don't get me wrong. Like, babe, don't get me in a fight. Stop doing this. Shut up. But you'll see these women being like, you know, F you, F you. I can do what I want. My husband will, will, will beat you up or whatever. And the guy's like, oh, dude, oh my God. But then the guy slaps the woman. He's like, all right, you crossed the line, bro. I get it. Don't get me wrong. There are videos. There's a video where like a young kid in school is being bullied by two women and they're pushing him and hitting him. And then he punches one. And then the guy's like, don't hit a girl. Nah, that's BS, right? In that regard, she kicked the cop. You get hit. I get that. I'm talking about what comes next. The dude then punched the cop. Now he's getting in trouble. He hit his wife though, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't know. You comment below. You let me know what you think. It's an interesting story. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.